When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Bad Taste Crime Podcast. I'm Vicky. I'm Janelle. We're back again. Again? Again, again. I know. Two Whoa. in a row. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're back again to talk about some crime. This one's going to be real fun. I'm excited. <laughs> I have to think. I guess my, yeah, mine's not so fun, but, you know, mine's not depressing. Fun. So there we go. <laughs> pretty, pretty fun. Pretty mm-hmm. fun um yeah we got a great show for you we're here keeping warm if you could see us like in the studio we're wrapped in it's we're in the middle of full-on midwest winter yeah um i told (laughs) i was at a a wedding recently um in it was in starved rock in Mm. illinois which is like it's like crime place place, yes and there were people from all over at this wedding and i started talking to i was out smoking a cigarette was talking to a guy from new york and of course you know it's like 33 degrees outside and we're out there with no coats because we've been drinking and Mm -hmm. dancing and whatever else and i finally got cold and i i said i'm going in because uh, I don't have a coat and this is Midwest chili. <laughs> and he lost it. He thought it was the funniest thing ever. So, yeah, we're on like full on winter mode. We got yeah. blankets. We're all. <laughs> but it's supposed to warm up in the middle of the week. Cuddled so up. That's fun. Oh, gosh. 46 degrees. Yeah. The only thing to keep me warm are these stories of crime. Ah, by the true crime fire with a true, <laughs> true crime drink. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so let's um let's head over to the newsroom then. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be in the newsroom. Yeah, this is probably the most most depressing part of the whole episode, likely. Maybe. Uh, We'll we'll see see. what Janelle's. (laughs) Well, you never know. We tend to outdo ourselves when it comes to the sadness. Um, But this week, we... We're so emo. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Um, This week, we are talking about the recent events out of Moscow, Idaho, 
where at the University of Idaho for college students, 20-year-old Ethan Chapin, 21-year-old Madison Mogan, 20-year-old Zaina Kernodal, and sure. 21-year-old Kaylee Gonclaves. Kaylee's last names are very hard. <laughs> um, so they were discovered at their apartment all stabbed to death. Mm-hmm. Each victim was stabbed multiple times. Um, the police have now come out and released some of the details from the autopsy, saying there was no signs of sexual assault. Um, they two of at least two of them had defensive wounds. Um, they are thinking at the moment that they were um, stabbed in their sleep. Mm. There were two roommates when that were home um, when the four students were killed. They have both been cleared. Uh, there's other videos. They said there's a person seeing a video from a late night food truck, uh, that captured two of the victims before they were found dead. Mm -hmm. And apparently there have been some reports saying that some of the bodies were found tied or gagged up. They have said that this is inaccurate. Mm -hmm. Uh, so those reports are inaccurate and that's kind of like where they don't have any suspects at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. This is. Kind of, this is just kind of wild. Uh, thoughts? <laughs> it's just really bizarre. Yeah. The amount of people that were around. Yes. The amount of people that were still in the house alive. Yes. Um, and then I was interested because there were so many fucking false reports of things. Mm-hmm. And someone posted a timeline of all the places that all four of those people had been in the hours up to them being killed. And they were, like, bouncing from parties to a restaurant, to a party, to a hangout session. To like, So they were, like, all over the place. Yeah, yeah. So it was just – I thought it was really interesting because of how absolutely chaotic it was. And the, you know, instance of how it happened within your apartment. Like, <laughs> that's mortifying. Yeah. Yeah, they've also said – I mean, there was a 911 call made at 1158 a.m., um, when somebody called and said there was an unconscious person at the apartment, but it's unclear who actually made that 911 call. Mm. They don't know. I, as I was looking at this, I saw s- some 911 audio pop up, but who knows if that is legitimate okay. or not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because at least as of the writing of the article that I'm looking at, which is from NBC News, mm-hmm. the investigators had declined to release the 911 call. So that's why I'm kind of like, that's mm, probably nothing. Definitely a case we're going to be watching because it is, there's a lot, I mean, it is very unusual. Mm-hmm. Like, and the fact that people were home. Yeah. Which makes it even more bizarre. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I don't even want to theorize because <laughs> it just is, it's sad, first mm-hmm. of all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does remind me of some of the cases that we've covered with break-ins and apartments and things like that. So that's yeah. Like, <laughs> I know. And of course, Janelle, sorry, <laughs> Janelle messages us to me like a week after I'm moving into this know, new apartment. I was like, fuck. You hadn't not told me, me yet. I was like, oh my God, check out the story. Yeah. Like, Don't worry. Know. I already have plans to get a security <laughs> camera <laughs> and I lock my doors every time I'm there. If you're ever worried, um, when my brother lived in nashville there were cases of people just kicking indoors not doing anything but just like kicking indoors because rowdy raucous nashville so they do have things that you can like kind of like um you remember those clubs for cars for the steering wheels yeah like that for the back of your doors oh so it like is like a little ram basically that even if someone picks the lock or tries to kick it in the door won't budge yeah yeah but then there's part of me that's like if i'm like (laughs) 
have to call 911 and someone needs to try to get into my apartment because I'm dying. I want oh, them to be open to my door. to figure it out. Oh, okay. oh, my God. You need a little bit more equipment for that. Like, maybe something to cut the door. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. That's um, when the fire department comes in with their handy-dandy saws. <laughs> yeah, so this is – I think this is probably going to be a case that we will keep an eye on mm-hmm. um, as things come out. Like, they're just – and understandably so. Like, you don't want to release all your evidence – so that you have something to question people on when you have suspects come in. So, like, they're not going to release things that they feel are extra important to the investigation. So mm-hmm. I'm sure there will be a trickle, a very light trickle of information. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to Netflix and Kill. This week, another HBO and Kill, because they're killing it. Um, we – and this one will be short because it's an update. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're talking about the Val Part 2. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I've been watching it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Which, mm-hmm. and as we record this, not all the episodes are out. Yeah. Um, I think about half of it is out mm-hmm. at this point. However. Val ever. <laughs> oh, my Sorry. God. Um, so, for those who don't remember, the Val is a documentary series about Keith Raniere and the, uh, We'll say self-betterment program slash cult slash sex cult. Um, Wannabe Scientology. Yes. <laughs> Very. Yeah. It has a lot of similarities with Scientology. Um, Nexium. Yes. Is the name of it. And uh, so Keith Raniere actually. Which is an antacid pill. Nexium? Yes. Oh. <laughs> nice. Every time I say it, yeah. I'm like, antacid? <laughs> but is it spelled with no vowels? No, it's not. And just let like N X I V I M. Um just like cool Harper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Keith Ranieri, uh, I think in twenty twenty one was convicted on multiple counts of things like sex trafficking and uh others. Trafficking, trafficking. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't have them pulled up and but it was a lot of stuff. He's spending a lot of time mm-hmm. in prison. There's some fraud. Fraud, yeah, 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 yeah. So the first series is really pre-trial, just before they arrest. It's I think the end of season one is as they arrest Keith Raniere. Mm-hmm. Season two comes back, and they are following the trial, and the people who are out, the people who are still in that choose to speak with them, which mm-hmm. I almost find which most is, interesting, yeah, mm-hmm. Nancy Salzman. Rolling up in there, pretending Nancy like nothing Salzman? fucking happened. Yeah, who like, is... I was just here for a good time. Literally, <laughs> like, his right hand started the company. Like, it's her company. It yeah. is her company that mm-hmm. she started with Keith Raniere. Um, and I do so, I do think that, and maybe I'm being fooled, but I do think there is a certain amount of stuff that was going on that she wasn't aware that she was not aware of she reminds me of just like the like classic sitcom mom Mm -hmm. who's like what's happening yeah (laughs) and i think maybe that's why because i know like i have friends who have moms who are just like her Mm -hmm. and the sort of you know even if it was maybe willful at times yeah i would say with her relation, her daughter's relationships yes. with him, yeah. she definitely turned a blind yeah. eye. Mm-hmm. But I do think there was a certain amount of brainwashing and conditioning that she also went through with Keith mm-hmm. and yeah. the way he treated people and sort of trained them to do whatever he asked of them. I just was watching clips of him talking and I'm, the entire time I'm like, 
even if I didn't know how much of a fucking idiot you are, I if I heard someone talking like this, I'd be like, hard pass. Yeah. I'd be like, <laughs> you're a fucking get, weirdo. How do people get excited about that? Yeah. And a man who plays volleyball that much? Dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean. Get a life. <laughs> get a life, dude. I mean, we're going to disagree about that, but... <laughs> You know. He played volleyball every single day. I know people That's who play volleyball every day. That's too I much. I play volleyball with people who play volleyball every day. That's too <laughs> but much But not volleyball. in a culty, weird way <laughs> where after he scores a point, he's going around and kissing everybody on the lips. Yeah, no. <laughs> if a guy came up to me after I just, like, hit a Kiss. ball, I'd be, like, I'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm going to throw this ball in your face. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's definitely – I'm very much looking forward to the series completing and, like, watching the rest of it. There – have, there are a lot of twists and turns. There, have yeah. you watched the episode about the Tourette's research? Yep. Yep. Mind fucking blown. <laughs> yeah, there oh my gosh. There are just things that I feel like even when we were like going through the trial that have come out since that I just had no idea about. Yeah. And like that is one of them where they mm-hmm. have a person who claims to have cured their Tourette's, which I'm more still than one person. More than one person, which I'm Multiple still like Multiple people. Can you just is Tourette's just a thing you cure? Like is Well I don't they, you know what I'm they saying? They still have Tourette's, but, but they have cured the symptoms. Yeah. Of yeah. Which yeah. as I mean, they have the one girl whose name I can't remember who basically said, Yeah, they cured my Tourette's, but I was so much more broken yeah. in so many other ways and had depression and anxiety and like, you know, was suicidal and mm-hmm. like, yeah, that whole thing was bonkers. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely worth a watch. Like, and when I saw it, came, I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> you know, like I didn't know they were getting ready to drop season two and it all happened. Mm-hmm. To me, the most interesting thing is the people who are still in mm-hmm. and who mm-hmm. are still very much like the things that they're saying about him, he didn't do. I mean, Nancy Salzman said it too. She's like, what about all of the, I think she said thousands of people we helped. Yeah. Where are they? Yeah. And then they start talking to people who said right. that they were helped. <laughs> right. And maybe on some level they feel like they were helped, but mm-hmm. like, that still does not erase all of the horrific shit yes. that he did. And, and the I mean, grooming and yes. the branding and the... Jim Jones. Look at Jim Jones. Literally. What he did before he started going off the rails doing drugs yes. and moving his his entire congregation. Yeah. Right? He was like the first... He was a public advocate. ...all-inclusive yes. congregation. So things can have great intentions right. in the beginning and do help maybe a few people. Mm-hmm. But I think if the overall issue is the people in charge doing horrible things to even a small fraction i think that's greatly overshadows the good yeah so it's it's hard for me to hear these people be like i my life was changed because of him and i will always support him and blah blah and i'm like "Ah, yeah i I don't know i'm not in that headspace so like Mm -mm. maybe i just can't i can't even like wrap my yeah yeah it's it's just wild i can't i don't even i can't even imagine like what is remaining but you should definitely check it out it's called the vow part two if you haven't watched part one watch part one on hbo so good it's so good again hbo kings kings of documentary making okay let's move on to our episode i forgot to say this last time but um 
Content warning. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Content warning. This episode may not be appropriate for our listeners. Mm-hmm. We also forgot to say our names the last episode, too. Yeah. Which I'm now realizing. Well, you said hi, Vicky, and I said hi, Janelle, and I thought Yeah, but fine. we didn't like Yeah. Also, if this is your first time listening, a special hello to you. Oh, my God. It's We're, like we forgot how to podcast. I know. It's I didn't fine. say that last time, either. It's fine. That was, like, our coming back from not having podcasted in, like, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Yes. So. It's a we slow, had, We got to roll back into royal. it. I don't even have my royal. notes pulled up. Hold on. <laughs> I know. This is how unorganized I am. Okay. All right. And now we're back. (laughs) So if you have been paying attention to the criminal justice world at all. um, I wish I wouldn't have to. (laughs) I know. There have been a few interesting things happening as Mm -hmm. of late. One of those was the trial of Daryl Brooks. Okay, who drove his car through a Christmas parade last year in Waukesha, mm-hmm, Wisconsin? Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be laughing, but it's just—it's been a—it's been a farce. Yeah, the whole case, like, it's been a farce. It's it, the case itself is straightforward. Like, yeah. he did drive his car yeah. through a crowd of people. Yep. But what made it interesting is Brooks decided to represent himself in court. Um, I'm sorry, he was <laughs> not so successful. Many, so many feelings yeah. about this. It was very <laughs> much the sort of like sovereign citizen garbage. I applaud that judge for her patience because, like, I mean, she she was like, I think that judge did a very nice job mm-hmm. doing what she needed to do. Yeah. But the guy was Off not his rocker helpful yeah. to himself. He was out of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. But it did get me thinking. Uh, has there ever been a time that there's been a person successful in representing themselves in in criminal court? I feel like that's how. Yeah. Is how I feel about civil that. Court, <laughs> civil court is one thing. Like, mm-hmm. civil court is very common to see, like, pro se litigants who represent themselves. I see that at work all the time. Mm-hmm. Criminal court, not so much, because their attorneys are like, "Don't do this," yeah, don't. <laughs> because it's a terrible don't. idea. How many people have done it and it's been failures? Serial killers have tried and failed. Yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're not as charismatic as, as a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. How are you going to get that far? <laughs> um. So, this led me to find the story of this incredibly interesting person. Oh boy. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Jim Trafficant? <laughs> no, but that is an unfortunate last name. Girl, <laughs> strap in. Oh, I feel no. like you will love and hate this guy at the same time. Okay. Like, I feel like he's his, he's right up your alley in a way. Oh, in a way, yeah. Like, like how up my alley? Like, you'll see. Oh, God. You'll see. <laughs> just in, just in, you'll see. You'll oh, see. Okay, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> So Trafficant was born and raised in Youngstown, Ohio. Is that his real last name? Trafficant, yeah. Oh, my God. T-R-A-F-I-C-A-N-T. Trafficant. Yep. Unfortunate. Um, so Youngstown, Ohio is... Not the greatest. Not the greatest. <laughs> it is... Yeah, they kind of got the nickname of Crime Town. Yeah. Um, Ohio is a place. <laughs> yeah. There is a good podcast series, I think, called... Crime Town USA, maybe? Mm-hmm. I don't remember, but you should check too, it out. There's just too many. Mark Sperling. Smurling? Smurling? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love him. I've listened to some other podcasts he's done. Really good. Anyway, about Youngstown and Jim Trafficking that you should check out. But mm-hmm. grew up in Youngstown, Ohio. Um, after graduating high school, he went on to receive his bachelor's in education from the University of Pittsburgh in 1963. 
While there, Trafficant was the quarterback of the football team playing alongside Chicago favorite Mike Dicka. Oh, oh Dicka. <laughs> all about the mustache. And the sausage. And the sausage. Uh, he was drafted by the Steelers and like later tried out for the Oakland Raiders, but never played professionally. Uh, later, Trafficant went back to school to get his master's in administration from the University of Pittsburgh and a second master's in counseling from Youngstown State University. Oh, giving me PTSD with a double master's. Yeah, right. <laughs> I thought you would identify with it. Don't do that. <laughs> from there, he went on to become the consumer finance director for the Youngstown Community Action Program. Tra- okay. <laughs> he was he was big into like the addiction space. Um, he taught a bunch of classes on drug and alcohol dependency and recovery at YSU and Kent State and became the executive director of the Mahoning County Drug Program from 1971 to 1981 before launching into his political career. That's right. Natural progression. We're talking politics uh, oh, today. I thought you said that, yeah, that I would like him. <laughs> you, just wait. Just oh, wait. God. <laughs> so, Trafficant became the sheriff of Mahoning County from 1981. Just hold on. <laughs> from 1981 yeah. to 1985, <laughs> where he endured himself to the people of Ohio. He made headlines after refusing to carry out foreclosure orders on out-of-work homeowners, many of whom were like, laid off from work. Behind that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He'd make headlines again when he was charged with racketeering. It's Ohio. <laughs> yeah. So, and especially in Youngstown, Ohio at this yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 1982, Trafficant was charged with participating in a bribery conspiracy in violation of the Racketeer Influenced and Corruption Organizations Act, or RICO, as most people oh, know it. RICO. Yes. That old chestnut. <laughs> so while running for Mahoning County Sheriff, it was alleged that Trafficant accepted $163,000 in bribes between January and November 1980 from organized crime members Charles and Orlin Carabia, James Prado, and Joseph Naples Jr., mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who are all... And, like, the Carabia brothers and James Prado and Joseph Naples are, like, separate crime families. Mm-hmm. Two separate ones. So both sides. The case was filed after the FBI received tape recordings of conversations between Trafficant and the Carabias talking about the exchange of money. This is from a motion to suppress. He, like, filed a motion to suppress these tape recordings that the FBI had. Mm. Quote, the recordings were not made at the time of the alleged bribes, but were made approximately one month after Trafficant's election and receipt of his last payment. Mm-hmm. During their investigation, the FBI actually approached Trafficant to be like, are you doing your own investigation on the Krabius, um, like, as your capacity in sheriff? Mm-hmm. Or if you're not, like, will you cooperate with us mm-hmm. in order, like, in exchange for uh, prosecutorial immunity? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the FBI was like, are you criming or not criming? What's going on here? <laughs> Um, he initially helped, but then just like it sort of just dropped off. And so yeah. the FBI decided to prosecute him. Okay. This would be the first time that Trafficant represented himself in court. <laughs> There's multiple? Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, when the case went to trial, Trafficant argued that the bribes were taken as a part 
of his own undercover investigation. Okay, so he's going to play that card. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. So in 2014, one of the jurors that had sat on the jury for this trial in 83 um, wrote a piece for the Tribune Chronicle where he remembered some of the, like, eccentricities of the case because this guy was, like, out there. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking, like, in a political sphere, like, he seemed like he'd be a fun guy to hang out with at the bar. Yeah. You know, like that kind of thing. So this is what he said about um, the trial. Quote, in Jim Traffican's opening remarks, he stood directly in front of me as I sat in the jury box no more than four feet away. Looking me straight in the eye, he said, I fucked the mob. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> the juror also said, quote, all the jurors, as I recall, were a bit annoyed at what happened when Trafficant tried to present his closing remarks. Every time Jim would try to utter a sentence, the prosecutor would yell, objection. In his vast knowledge of the law, the prosecutor could easily cite many infractions that the amateur defense lawyer Trafficant made in his closing remarks. So they were kind of like, you have this regular guy, some regular regular guy, and this prosecutor over here just trying to be all, you know, prosecuting high and mighty, you know, with his law degree. Right? Like he studied for years to do this fucking job or something. <laughs> the trial ran for six weeks and it appeared that like the prosecution was not taking trafficking serious at all. They were just kind of like this guy over here. <laughs> The jury would ultimately vote to acquit with the juror, juror who wrote the article saying, quote, in the end, the jurors came to the conclusion that the prosecution had not proven its case. We couldn't put that man or any man in prison for 23 years with a $30,000 fine based upon what was presented to us during that trial, end quote. And with that, Trafficant became the first and only defendant to successfully defend himself in a RICO case. Oh, my God. The only one. A RICO case. Ever. A RICO case of all things. So the RICO case definitely like raised his public image a bit. Like like even the jurors at the case were like, he's just some regular guy trying to defend himself. This like kind of regular dude persona. Yeah. Um, but also like sort of fighting the man, mm -hmm. like fighting the federal government. Yep. Mm -hmm. Was like something that people rally really rallied behind him. Yeah. And they decided to elect him to Congress okay. as okay. as a Democrat representing Interesting. Representing <laughs> Ohio's 17th district. Mm -hmm. Okay. Although elected as a Democrat. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Trafficant, he had like a weird mixture of some more progressive and some more conservative policies. Like a libertarian? A lot mm -hmm. more. I would say a lot more towards the conservative side, okay. especially as the years went on. Mm -hmm. um, like later on, he would go on to vote for Dennis Hastert for yeah, I mean, speaker. Yeah, I mean, white men tend to get really conservative. Would run as an independent <laughs> and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So he um, advocated for things like restraints on immigration. is very anti-immigration. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of pro-life policies. He's very much like uh, Why America first. Would you think I like <laughs> because of the way he's like fuck the government? I mean, there's lots of people in a way fuck the government that are in a, terrible. in a really in a way in a really sassy like 
Yeah. I can appreciate the sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the rest I do not stand for. It will not stand. Yeah, he did become... <laughs> Just his attitude, I think, is mm-hmm. what you could appreciate. He became incredibly well-known for his rhetoric in congressional. They do these, like, one-minute speeches where you can basically get up and talk about anything for one minute. Um, and became the sort of, like, congressional jester, almost. Oh, boy. Yeah. I, um, I can get down with the ham. Yeah. <laughs> he often referenced Star Trek, and he would, like punctuate and you'll see this in a minute he would punctuate his points with the phrase beam me up (laughs) beam me up mr speaker you will you will see this um because i found that's That's very funny (laughs) i found a compilation video of like some of his speeches and it it's like this really and some interviews um from it's from youtube from roll call Mm -hmm. and i wanted to treat you all to this it is kind of long it's like three minutes but It is so it's it's like encompasses really well, <laughs> what trafficking what trafficking is. It's so good. It's so good. Okay. All right, let's go. <sighs> Are you ready? I'm ready. Am I different? Yeah. Have I changed my pants? No. Deep down you know you want to wear wider bottoms, you're just not secure enough to do it. Prove it, sucker. Prove it. Prove we're wrong. Do I do my hair with a weed whacker? I admit. Beam me up here. Do I wear skinny ties? Yeah. Coach, wide ties make me look heavier than I am, and I'm heavy enough. Are you going to resign? I've never been a quitter. I don't think I'll quit now. Mr. Gephardt said you should. Gephardt has no balls. Beam me up. I say it's time for Congress to shove these illegal tactics right up the assets of the IRS. I think it's time for our president, Mr. Bush, to say, read my lips, get out. What we're saying is, read my pocketbook. Beam me up, Mr. Speaker. It's time for President Bush to say, read my lips. This president has gone from Disney to Spielberg. Looney Tunes outer space, he's not finished yet. I predict his next production will be a Stephen King thriller. Since the bomb did not detonate, it was not deadly. Beam me up, Mr. Speaker. News reports say after a game-winning goal at a soccer match in Spain, a player celebrated by biting his teammate who scored on the genitals. Beam me up. Now, I've heard of high fives, back slaps, butt slaps, but ladies and gentlemen, this takes the family jewels. God almighty here. I yield back what has now become known as the big bite. Heavy enough to cause a hernia for the jolly green giant. Maybe it's the type of jobs that are being created. Check this out. How about a handkerchief folder, a drawstring knotter, a hooker inspector, a pantyhose crotch closer machine operator supervisor. I'm a jackass. A muff winder, a fur blower, a whizzer operator, a brazier cup molder fitter. I probably should have been a little bit more diplomatic. How about a drawstring knotter? That's really a goal in life. Screw supervisor, nut former, ball sorter, needle straightener, bucket chucker, slitter, creaser, slaughter operator. Don't laugh. These are all jobs listed by the Department of Labor. He better help my district after I'm in jail too or I'll come visit him. I'd have to say beam me up. And I think these screw supervisors 
all work for the Internal Revenue Service. Show me the beef. The Department of Agriculture has come to several conclusions. Number one, big farm animals produce more manure than small farm animals. And number two, manure stinks. Well, I'm Congressman. You don't rape my constituents. Beam me up, Mr. Speaker. $200 million to determine that manure stinks. I think they should be handcuffed to a chain link fence, flogged, and all of their hearsay evidence should be thrown the hell out. And if they lie again, I'm going to go over and kick them in a the crotch. Thank you very much. So that's just okay. a little so taste of Jim Trafficant. A lot to unpack there. Sounds like he's a professional wrestling promoter. He does. He sounds like, and not a congressman. He sounds like he is pre-attitude era fucking wrestling promoter. (laughs) Yeah, and he was like he wore these sort of like flashy suits. You looked at me when he was talking about the pants at the beginning. It's because he wore like bell bottoms and a skinny tie, and like was not not, fashion. No, and and. is he talking about? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's just the sort of, yeah. And beam me, beam me up, Mr. I Speaker. Just, like, why did he start using that? I don't know, but it became his thing. Mm-hmm. It was 100% his thing. And he would just say what he feels. And I was researching this and I was like, I wonder what, like, Jim Trafficant would be like in the modern day space yeah i mean um, very I, all that was coming to mind was alex jones yes alex he's alex jones yeah <laughs> yeah he you know i he's a character mm-hmm. he is which is why i think i found this one so interesting is because he is such a character like mm-hmm. ripe for just quotation after quotation yeah Oh, man. Okay. So other greatest hits include in 1997 when he said, I got to see if uh, I can do my best gym traffic in here. Let us tell it like it is. When you hold the economy to your nosy, this economy does not smell so rosy. If there is any consolation to the American worker, I've never heard of anyone committing suicide by jumping out of a basement window. (laughs) That is some dad-isms, if I've ever heard them. And if you want to know his thoughts on U.S. providing aid to other countries. Oh, boy. Okay, here we go. Quote, Russia gets $15 billion in foreign aid from Uncle Sam. In exchange, Uncle Sam gets nuclear missiles pointed at your cities, two tape decks, and three cases of vodka. <laughs> beam, <laughs> beam me up. <laughs> Three cases of vodka. Oh my god, vodka. Beam we don't, me up, we don't Mr. Even Speaker. Get vodka from Russia anymore. It's all made here. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so Trafficant was also a strong supporter of John Demyanyuk, mm. which, if you are not familiar, he was a man who was convicted in Israel of being a World War II Nazi concentration camp guard. There's a great documentary about him. Um, he was a supporter. He supported it. Yeah, he he was a. I'm gonna have to <laughs> this hear is, the this story. This is where this. things. No, 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 this is where things get a little off the rail. Um, he, there's a great documentary about John Demyanyuk called "The Devil Next Door." It's on Netflix. That goes over all of this. Essentially, he was living in Ohio, um, just like at, working at a car manufacturer's mm-hmm. yeah. place, like 
hanging out when all of a sudden he was <laughs> arrested for, for being a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> um, so traffickants strongly believed that Demyanyuk was a victim of mistaken identity. And that is like, okay, the that, people, like, no, 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 not like, I I support Nazis. Support, he was a good man who did bad things. I can hear him saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, he he thinks Demyanyuk was a victim of mistaken identity, which was the people who were kind of supportive of him. That was really the case that they were yeah. making because mm-hmm. there was some sort of sketchy evidence. You're talking to witnesses who are in their 90s, like trying yeah. to remember, you know, it was a very There is no way to identify case. a person really back then because it was yeah. all papers. Yeah. Um, he also thought that the trial that he had been given him was unfair. Demyanyuk's conviction was eventually overturned in 1993. I don't think it had anything to do with trafficking. Um, mm-hmm. But he was then deported to Germany where he died in like 2014, I think. Definitely a good documentary. Check that out. It was a... Oh, there. I should also mention, I don't think I added this in my notes, but there was like some weird David Duke connection, which David Duke is like KKK straight up. KKK all the way. Um, <laughs> but like then that connection was denied by some people. But, you know, they're never going to be like, I support the KKK. I mean, they will now. It's, but I, well, it has, well, it's supposed to be a secret. I know. I know. Anyway. <laughs> that was the whole point of the organization. And I don't. Was I, to be secretive. <laughs> I don't think necessarily that it was trafficking was supportive of David Duke. But like his ideology. David Duke. <laughs> kind of latched on to trafficant and yeah. was like this guy is our man mm-hmm. and i think that does sometimes happen to people who don't expect it yeah where they just start getting championed by the wrong <laughs> by the people, wrong people. <laughs> mm-hmm. so it was a surprise to no one when during an exhaustive corruption investigation in 2001 trafficant was once again implicated in taking bribes <laughs> once you bribe once you gotta bribe yeah. again so this is from the appeal to U.S. v. Trafficant. Um, the indictment, quote, charged that he violated the federal bribery statute, conspired to violate the federal gratuity statute, accepted an illegal gratuity, obstructed justice, conspired to defraud the United States, filed false tax returns, and conducted the affairs of an enterprise through a pattern of racketeering, hmm. end quote. So all all, all different flavors of fraud. <laughs> Once again, um, Trafficant opted to represent himself against the federal government, hoping, I'm sure, to have the same luck as last time. Like, I beat the feds once. Let me do it again. (laughs) So easy. Yeah. This time he claimed this trial was part of a larger scheme for revenge after he had bested the government the first time around. I mean, there could be truth in that. (laughs) Uh, again, this is from the appeal, quote, the evidence presented at, tr- at trial demonstrated, among other things, that while he was a congressman, Trafficant demanded thousands of dollars in goods and services from businesses in return for official favors, including contacting the director of the federal aviation industry, the secretary of state, and the king of Saudi Arabia. Ooh. Paid inflated salaries to his staffers who were required to kick back the difference to their boss and forced his congressional staffers to bale hay, repair plumbing, and reinforce barns at his show show horse farm. What is with people who do crimes being so interested in fucking show horses? (laughs) Dude, I don't. No. It is a fucking thing. I feel like, especially if you're criming from, like, the country or, like, the Midwest, (laughs) like, show horses are, like, the bougie thing to do, right? It's like, it's like your mansion or your Maserati (gasps) or your, 
you know, like Rolex watch, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it says it's a show horse. It's so fucking bizarre to me. Yeah. Now, according to the Washington Post, um, the kickbacks that he had required his staffers to pay went as high as $2,500 per paycheck. Fuck. Okay. Trafficant was tried before a jury of 10 women and two men. After four days of deliberation, they found him guilty on all counts. So now that he had this official conviction, Congress took their turn mm-hmm. and moved to expel Trafficant, which uh-huh. is not something that happens very often. Yeah, I've never even heard of that. It can happen. Um, you got to do some real bad shit. After a recommendation from the House Ethics Committee, the House voted to expel Trafficant with a 420 to 1 vote. He was the second House member to be expelled for unethical conduct since the Civil War. <laughs> okay. The first um the first one was had to do with somebody in the ab scam like controversy, mm-hmm. which was also like a bunch of fucking racketeering charges yeah, <laughs> and yeah. shit. Now, shortly after he was expelled from Congress, the court sentenced Trafficant to eight years in federal prison and $250,000 in fines. In 2002, Trafficant went into prison where, upon entry, he had to reveal to the guards that he had been wearing a toupee. Like, <laughs> he was... Just like the small, stupid yeah. thing. Well, okay, okay. Yeah. Probably like he was a metal clip or something. He's like, I can't wear, bring this in here. Yeah. And he was, like, kind of known for his hair because it was sort of a mop. Like, it was yeah. just kind of crazy. But it sometimes it was, was described as, like, high, like, bouffantish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to find out that all this time it had been a toupee the entire time. I mean, that must be a really good, like, wig maker. (laughs) Or he just gets new ones every week. Yeah. With all that kickback money, I mean, only the nicest toupees. All day. (laughs) Oh, man. While he was incarcerated, Trafficant actually attempted to run for another term in the U.S. House (laughs) as an independent. Okay, Um, that makes sense. (laughs) He lost, only receiving 15% of the vote, but he is one of only, like, a handful of people to run for federal office while incarcerated. So, like, there's that, I guess. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting that you could do that. (laughs) I mean... It's interesting that that's legal. Yeah. (laughs) But if you have any sort of felonies, you can't vote. But you could run for office. Yeah, right. Be careful. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> After serving seven years of his eight-year sentence, Trafficant was released in 2009 and returned to Youngstown, Ohio. Many people were, like, still pretty supportive of him um, and hoped that he would run for office again. And he kicked around, like, the talk show scene, you know, doing sense. sort of, like... Sally Jesse Raphael. Yeah. Jenny Jones. Yeah. 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 More like, um, <laughs> it was like the Tucker Carlson type. Ah, yeah. Okay, so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Fox and Friends. Okay, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. He didn't do those no specifically, but it was like the local versions. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And he wrote a few articles and like op eds and stuff before he decided to um, run for his former congressional seat again. This time out of prison. Can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. (laughs) He was beaten a second time, but put up a slightly better showing with 16% of the vote. How many more points is that? That's a a whole one point increase. One point, yeah. In 2014, while Trafficant was working on the farm, pulling a tractor into a pole barn, it ran into a steel blade and flipped, landing on top of the former congressman. 
What a fucking way to go. I know. <laughs> uh, Trafficant was rushed to the hospital where he was sedated and, and monitored. Although, like, pretty much from the get-go, the, outgo, the outlook did not look yeah, super great. Heavy as fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it was later revealed that while he was driving the tractor, he had actually suffered a heart attack, which may have caused him to, like, mm-hmm. steer into this blade that then flipped the tractor. Okay. And he would eventually die in the hospital on September 27th, 2014, at the age of 73. 73 and still man in a tractor. Yeah. Yeah. He's a Midwest boy. He's something. <laughs> um, so that is the story of Jim Trafficant and his one time success of being the only person to successfully defend a Rico case, but also is... just being pretty. Fucking nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he is. He was. That is definitely what drew me to this case. Is like he is such a character, just like not what you normally see, especially at that time in the early '90s when politics wasn't as fucking bonkers. Yeah, I mean, it was it was, it was subtly? Bonkers. It was a different kind of bonkers. It was more jokey, jokey bonkers. Not beam me up. We're in trouble. <laughs> beam me up, Mister Speaker. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> Okay. Uh, mine is not going to be as hilarious. Oh. Um. <laughs> I love that not I love not being the one to bring it down for right. once. It's, it's always this. me. It's not gonna be that sad. No. It's not gonna be oh, that damn. sad. There's no death. Oh good. So um 
I am going to look at a landmark case. Okay. That actually approaches this topic backwards. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so okay. I'm looking at the landmark case Gideon v. Wainwright when a defendant was forced to represent himself. Okay, interesting. And you're probably going, huh? How? Well. God, old-timey politics and laws. (laughs) Yes, laws. Not the greatest. Because I'm sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is like an old, old case, right? Not that old. How old? But... 1960s? It's pretty old. Yeah. <laughs> um, back in the heyday of the Supreme Court. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah. This is going to take a look at how the Sixth Amendment wasn't applied justly. And um, you're going to be in for an interesting ride. Oh, All no. Right, here we go. Here we go. Uh, so Clarence Earl Gideon was born in 1910 in Missouri, and he had a less than average upbringing and was generally poor the entirety of his life. He began a life of petty crime as a teenager because, let's face it, uh, Missouri is fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. And what yeah. else are you going to do? Crime, crime, crime. Crime. Mm-hmm. So he moved around quite a bit doing the crime thing. He was arrested several times for burglary, robbery, and larceny. Okay. All the heavy Burgle, hitters. arson, larceny. Mm-hmm. Um, he was arrested in 1930 for a slew of crimes, but he was released after two years for good behavior. Because although he's doing the robin, he's not necessarily a bad man. <laughs> a bad man. <laughs> it's, and you know what? That is not super uncommon. Like, some people are forced to crime to survive. survive. Mm-hmm. So, not and necessarily a bad man. Most of the stuff that he was doing wasn't hurting people. Yeah. And he didn't really have weapons. He was just stealing things. Yeah. yeah. So, if you weren't catching the time period in which he was released from jail, it was 1930s. So, Great Depression. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah. shit was fucked. True. And Gideon stayed in poverty. And so the only thing he w- was able to do was continue to go a robin. So that's what he did. Fair. Now he moved around Kansas and Texas and he got married a few times, but nothing really stuck because he was constantly going to jail for a robin. <laughs> so these wives were like, I need a person who can go to work and support me because depression. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know. Um, eventually he got married to a woman named Ruth. This was his fourth marriage and they seemed to be really happy and he was beginning to be on the straight and narrow. He got a regular job as a bartender. Ruth had three kids previously with another husband and when they got married, they had an additional three kids. So they had six kids fucking total that they had to take care of. So I should never be so like, I feel like back in the day. They just had a shitload of kids. And every time I hear how many kids people have, I'm always surprised. But I should not be surprised anymore because everyone had like 20 kids. Yeah. So this is about the 1950s <laughs> as well. So we're out of the Great Depression. So Oof. having kids isn't like a horrible strain. But if you're already kind of a little poor, it's right. not great. Right. So they got six kids. Oh, my God. Um, He contracts tuberculosis and becomes bedridden for three years oh effectively putting him out of any way to work yeah um this left them back in the poorhouse um six fucking kids tuberculosis yeah bedridden like not looking great he took up work on a tugboat for a bit but that was not a well-paying job and also hurt yeah (laughs) so if you remember i've covered a lot of cases where people wound up working on boats (laughs) poor on boats um yes it's a thing 
Yeah. So in the true fashion, just like the other people I've covered, he started to supplement his income by gambling. <laughs> of course. It's a cycle. I keep talking oh, about boy. it. Where is the research on the tugboat to gambling <laughs> poverty cycle? <laughs> the tugboat to gambling fast lane. Yeah. Oh, my God. So he's gambling on the side, still working on a tugboat, trying to make a little more money. That never works. Still fucking poor. So he turned to his old Robin ways. <laughs> On June 3rd, 1961, Gideon was arrested after a witness said that they saw him walk out of the pool room with bottles in his hand. The pool room is the name of a bar. Okay. Um, with bottles in his hand and what seemed to be pockets full of coins. Okay. It was alleged that he stole liquor and change from the jukebox. Um, Ooh. Fucking narcs. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, now, Gideon was poor as fuck and he could not afford a lawyer. Okay. And at this time, they Indigent were living... defendants? They were living in Florida. Oh, so God. Okay. Florida, not great with people's rights. Still. <laughs> Still. So he couldn't afford a lawyer, and they would not provide one to him. Okay. We're just going to sit with that for Yeah. I know. I'm trying to remember. This is uh, pre... People having rights yes. in general. Um, so Gideon was forced to defend himself in this case. And he had dropped out of middle school and had a really limited education. So he really didn't have an understanding of what to do and what and how to pull resources and how to do any of the things. Like no researching. He, he just didn't know. Yeah. So instead, he kind of just went on there and professed his innocence. Um, he suffered through the trial, and to no surprise, it didn't go well. <laughs> yeah. He made an opening statement to the jury, cross-examined the state's witnesses, presented witnesses in his own defense, and declined to testify himself. Okay. Um, he did make a short argument emphasizing his innocence to the charge contained in the information filed in the case. So he was able to kind of. I mean, if you're smart enough to, to not, not, I feel. Yeah. I feel like if you're smart enough to not testify yourself, like you're doing okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's half the battle. So, not too bad. Yeah. Um, in August of 1961, he was convicted of larceny and sentenced to five years in a state prison. Okay. Um, larceny because it was the jukebox change. So there is some weird laws going on with jukebox change gotcha um also alcohol too a little bit but, yeah um, mostly they made a point to say it was because he stole change out of the jukebox okay um now while in jail gideon began to get interested in law and wanted to know more he started reading about the sixth amendment and realized he'd been fucking shafted <laughs> <laughs> oh shit okay he believed that the judge who saw his case violated his rights Sure. So Gideon filed in the Fl the Florida Supreme Court this habeas corpus attacking his conviction and sentence on the grounds the trial court's refusal to appoint counsel for him denied him his rights, quote, guaranteed by the Constitution and the Bill of Rights by the United States government. Treating the petition for habeas corpus as properly before it, the state Supreme Court, upon consideration thereof, but without an opinion, denied all relief. So. Okay. Okay. <sighs> Mouthful. But basically, under the Sixth Amendment, you have the right to be represented. Yeah. Now, Florida is 
Florida. And they approached things in a different manner. Mm -hmm. They believed that that is only the case for things that have to do with federal law. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, that's what? No, that's not, not Florida. Yeah. <laughs> that's not how that works. They're like, it's a, st- it's a state's right that's, issue. That is not a state's rights issue. This is, listen, Florida, <laughs> this is how we got to where we are now. This is not a state's right is- rights issue. Uh-huh. This is a human being's issue. Uh-huh. <laughs> in Florida. Okay. So after the Florida Supreme Court denied, 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 denied. Gideon appealed to the United States Supreme Court in a suit against the secretary of the Florida of Department of Corrections, H.G. Cochran. Okay. Uh, now, Cochran had retired when this went to the uh, Supreme Court and was replaced by Louis Wainwright. So that's why the case is Gideon versus Wainwright. So Gideon argued in his appeal that he had been denied counsel and then for, therefore that his Sixth Amendment rights, obviously, were um, – Refused. And as applied to, uh, he had been violated. So he was like bringing out all this knowledge he learned in jail. Like, oh, fucking look at, I, I know the Sixth Amendment and Florida doesn't. So <laughs> um, for the Supreme Court case, he was able to get a lawyer appointed to him because <laughs> the law. Yeah. And that lawyer was Abe Fortas. So uh, Abe Fortas was representing him, and Fortis argued that a common man with no training in law could not go up against a trained lawyer and win, and that you cannot have a fair trial without counsel. Sounds right. Sounds just. Yep. Um, The attorney general argued that it was a state issue. It's not a state issue. Not a federal one. That uh, beautiful old chestnut states rights. Um, Under the existing framework, a magistrate in a preliminary hearing determined whether there was a, quote, special circumstance in the case meriting that the defendant receive counsel. That was their argument. Oh, my God. Fucking stupid. Stupid. But Fortis highlighted that determination occurred too early in this case to be of any use. Okay. For example, whether a witness's statement should be barred because it was hearsay is an extremely complicated issue that no layman could readily confront. And such a situation arises only during a trial. So it's a a witness, you know, Mm -hmm. there's so many, you know, loopholes and things and a witness isn't exactly the point in which a case should be determined on, you know, right? Right. right. So a per- a common person wouldn't know that. Yeah. Wouldn't know how to approach that and talk about it and go around it and get a witness maybe thrown out or have it right. questioned further. Yeah, hearsay is like a very complicated yes. issue. <laughs> uh, another example that he used in his arguments for this was uh, Fortis noted that when Clarence Darrow – who was widely known as the greatest criminal attorney in the United States, was charged with jury tampering and subpoena perjury. The first thing he did was get a lawyer to represent himself. And Fortis stated that if a lawyer as prominent as Darrow needed an attorney to represent him in criminal proceedings, then a man without a legal education or any education for that matter needed a lawyer too. Yeah, I mean, that's a very good point. Solid fucking argument. Very good point. However, all of that stuff that Florida was trying to do did not work. <laughs> so, good. In 1963, March of 1963, the United States Supreme Court ruled in Gideon's favor. <laughs> good. Their opinion were that lawyers are necessary in 
court proceedings, not luxuries. Yeah. Yeah. Duh. Like the Sixth Amendment <laughs> And the fact that we have to have a fucking trial about this. Also, the idea <laughs> that like literally the federal constitution does not apply to states is right. like. States. A what? Rights. Okay. What? Yeah. States rights. Oh it is God. a state issue. It's not. It's not. It's not. <laughs> The right of one charged with crime to counsel may not be deter- not be deemed fundamental and essential to fair trials in some countries, but it is in ours, is what they said. Yeah. So um, I'm going to read a little bit more of this opinion because I thought it was just so well fucking put. Oh, yeah. Sometimes so it's a I'll big paragraph. You, they, so, Supreme, <laughs> Supreme Court opinions can be real fucking they bangers. They can be really great. They can be bangers. So they went on to state that from the very beginning, our state and national constitutions and laws have laid great emphasis on procedural and substantive safeguards designed to assure fair trials before impartial tribunals in which every defendant stands equal before the law. This noble ideal cannot be realized if the poor man charged with crime has to face his accusers without a lawyer to assist him. A defendant's need for a lawyer is nowhere better stated than in the moving words of Mr. Justice Sutherland in Powell v. Alabama, quote, The right to be heard would be, in many cases, of little avail if it did not comprehend the right to be heard by counsel. Even the intelligent and educated layman has small and sometimes no skills in the science of law. No shit. (laughs) If charged with crime, he is incapable, generally, of determining for himself whether the indictment is good or bad. He is unfamiliar with the rules of evidence. Left without the aid of counsel, he may be put on trial without a proper charge and convicted upon incompetent evidence or evidence irrelevant to the issue or otherwise inadmissible. He lacks both the skill and knowledge adequately to prepare his defense, even though he have a perfect one. He requires the guiding hand of counsel at every step in the proceedings against him. Without it, though he be not guilty, he faces the danger of conviction because he does not know how to establish his innocence. Yes. So I thought that was just a beautiful way that they kind of um, talked about it. Yeah. And it's true. There's just so many intricacies. And even if you do have an understanding of procedure, sometimes there's so many intricacies. That's why lawyers have specializations. Literally. (laughs) Yeah. I will tell you, like, speaking from experience, going to school for my paralegal and having to take literal law classes. Mm -hmm. Like, you take law classes to learn the law. Um, There was, you know, I thought I had a pretty good baseline knowledge going in. I was so wrong. And so many things I thought I knew, I had just completely wrong. Mm -hmm. And even now, like... Like you said, there's specializations for a reason because there are areas like real estate law. Fuck so that. So complicated. Horrible. Horrible. And business law is like an entirely different mm-hmm. thing. You Just know, dealing with inheritances. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like will trust and probates is like yeah. its own thing. Mm-hmm. And having – because all of those have their own little intricacies and, yes. and things. That, you mm-hmm. know, it's – And you have to think about with some of them, there's like county law, state mm-hmm. law, federal law. Like there's yeah. so many things. And even when you're talking criminal law, mm-hmm. you have specializations within criminal law. So yeah. there will people there will be people who do just like DUIs or mm-hmm. just like – misdemeanors or just you know so you can't it (laughs) you cannot expect the average person to have any clue about any of it yeah whatsoever so after this decision and the supreme court ruled in his favor two thousand people were freed in florida because of the result of the gideon decision wow that many 
fucking thousand people. Which I'm assuming who did not have counsel. They had to make a decision whether they were going to retry those cases yes. or not. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Oh my god. Wow. Florida. Yeah. Um, now the decision did not directly affect Gideon and being freed right away. Mm-hmm. Instead, because Florida be Florida and they wanted to be like snap back at them, um, they decided to retry him. Sure. <laughs> Give him a whole new trial. And he was appointed a defense counsel this time. Hooray. Yeah. Um, and the government actually paid for it. Okay. So good on you. Yeah. Um, the retrial took place on August 5th, 1963. And Gideon uh, selected W. Fred Turner as his lawyer. Now, during the trial, Turner picked apart the testimony of the eyewitness whose name was Henry Cook, who saw him coming out of the bar, quote, unquote. Oh. In his opening and closing statements, Turner suggested that Cook likely had been a lookout for a group of young men who broke into the pool room themselves to steal beer and then grabbed the coins while they were there. Turner also obtained a statement from a cab driver who had taken Gideon from Bay Harbor to a bar in Panama City, stating that Gideon was carrying neither wine nor beer nor Coca-Cola when he picked him up. And even though Cook testified that he had watched Gideon walk from the pool hall to a payphone and then wait for a cab, the witness had been completely discredited. Wow. Surprise. So. Look what, there, it, look what can happen when you have a lawyer. There is a lot of debate on whether he actually even did any crimes there. After only one <laughs> oh hour God. of deliberation, he was acquitted. Wow. Good. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, like, look what can happen when you have a, a good lawyer. Yeah. Like. Exactly. Even just a minorly competent one. Mm-hmm. There are some, I will say, some really bad lawyers out there. <laughs> there are. <laughs> but there are some really good ones, too. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to, you know, shop around. Yeah. That you, sounds awful. You do <laughs> have you to shop, shop around. around. <laughs> you do have to shop around. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, even just having any representation, like, there was no way he would have. Oh, my God. That's crazy. It just mm-hmm. is, the whole thing is just wild to me. Yeah. I wanted to kind of end this a little bit with a quote here because... After this Supreme Court ruling, um, Florida then required public defenders in all of its circuit courts. (laughs) Duh. Everyone be having a lawyer. Sure. And this happened in 1963. Uh, Robert Kennedy, if you know him, RFK. (laughs) No. He actually made a public statement about this case because he was very much about uh, human rights. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of what he worked on in his, you know way to trying to become a nominee for president. Um, He stated, if an obscure Florida, I have to do it in my RFK voice. (laughs) If an obscure Florida convict named Clarence Earl Gideon had not sat down in prison with a pencil and paper to write a letter to the Supreme Court, and if the Supreme Court had not taken the trouble to look into the merits into the one crude petition among all the bundles of mail it must receive every day, the vast machinery of American law would have gone on functioning undisturbed. But Gideon did write that letter. The court did look into that case, and he was retried with the help of competent defense counsel, found not guilty, and released from prison after two years of punishment for a crime he did not commit. And the whole course of legal history has been changed. That's pretty good, Kennedy. Thank you. <laughs> I went off a little crazy into <laughs> my, <laughs> my radio voice a little bit. but Yeah. So after... Um, the case, Gideon returned to his everyday life and married again for a fifth time. <laughs> he 
remained in Florida for a while and died of cancer in 1972 and was put to rest back in his home of Missouri. Wow. But that is the case of Gideon V. Wainwright. And now why Florida has to have public (laughs) defenders for everyone. (laughs) Florida and the entirety of the United States. Yes. But specifically, but specifically, Florida. a little bit of a thumb I, up to to Florida. I thumb at you, sir. I wouldn't be surprised, <laughs> like if we found out that happened, like all over the South. Like oh, that if, seems oh, like a thousand percent. Yeah, I like, guarantee it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that seems like some or real purposefully bullshit. given incompetent counsel has happened a lot. Yes, that's been yeah. the basis of many a books written by many a true crime authors. Yes, yeah. <laughs> interesting. Mm-hmm. That's. That's wild. Yeah. I was looking for other cases, too, just like you. I was like, well, has anyone been successful in this? And then I came across this uh, particular case, and I was like, oh, it's a landmark case about, you know, defense. And I thought it was so interesting that he was forced to represent himself and did a decent job. Yeah. (laughs) Considering. Yeah. Um, And that he was able to go to jail and realize that his (laughs) fucking rights were violated. I know that's, a man with a middle school education. Get it, right? get it, homie. <laughs> yeah, I. And to answer that question, not very many people have successfully defended themselves. Yeah, yeah, very, very few because mm-hmm. it's hard. Yeah. Um, but if you are thinking of defending yourself in your court, don't do it. First of all, get an attorney. This is not legal advice, but just get a fucking attorney. This is just life advice. Yeah. Always yeah. get an attorney, um, no matter what. Even if you know you don't need one, get yeah, get one. <laughs> But also listen to this podcast. (laughs) Hi, I'm Lainey, host of the new podcast, We're All Just Pretending. It's a podcast that has elements of Dear Abby with a twist of post-secret. Every episode, I'll read listener questions and provide advice and insight as a friend. My own pod friends will even join in and offer their advice on parenting, relationships, and even give you really bad advice on purpose. Since we all have secrets to share, there'll also be a segment focusing on letting the skeletons out of your closet. If you're looking for advice or want to share a secret, head to allpretendingpod.com. And remember, we're all just pretending here. All right, Janelle, that has been our episode. Well, I don't plan on doing any crimes lately, but you know. No. No, Always wear up. Just like wear a condom, always wear up. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Don't be a fool. Call your lawyer. <laughs> Wrap up that, that case with a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll be back in two weeks. I mean, there's really not that much going on except just Happy podcasting. Holidays, Happy I holidays. That's I forget that's when happening. this is coming out, but yeah. please just be safe. Make good choices. Mm-hmm. Don't try not drive. To, is that a thing? Still? Try not to like fight too much with the family. Yeah, no familicide this holiday season. No, I would love. Yeah, I would love a familicide free holiday. Thank you. If you feel like you're gonna murder your family, take a deep breath. Take a walk. Grab a bottle of wine. Go outside. Take a walk. Take a walk. Take a walk. Take a lap. Do a lap. Do a lap. Come back. Do a no familicide lap and come back. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, do you have anything else before we end? You know, that's just that's the uh, sage advice I have because you know the holidays are a trying and traumatic time. That's tough. On that note, yeah. our sound <laughs> and editing is by Tiff Fullman. Our music is by Jason Zakshevsky. The Enigma. <laughs> so much hype (laughs) (laughs) this has been the bad taste crime podcast we will see you in two weeks goodbye i demand a lawyer
Beam me up, <laughs> Mr. Me Speaker. Up. Beam me up. <laughs>